Welcome back to the tape store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And we're back at it this week. We have another great movie that we're going to talk about from the 90s. 1998, The Man in the Iron Mask. One of my absolute favorites. Mine too. This was a movie that Brooke and I really talked about a lot when we first (laughs) became friends and then, you know, getting into... Pre-dating. Pre-dating, getting into (laughs) dating. We talked about this movie a lot. Yes. I think it's one of the unsung really good movies. Uh, Critically, it was kind of okay. Yeah. It wasn't like... It was was only as much of a hit as it was because it came hot on the heels of Titanic. Yes. During that time, Leonardo DiCaprio was like the best thing. And it's a fantasy historical action movie so there's some history in there that's true right uh there is some definite embellishment it's based on a book by alexander dumas the man in the iron mask who also wrote the three musketeers yeah he also wrote the three musketeers and the protagonists in this film are the three musketeers right so alexander dumas the french writer had come up with these characters in his books and This movie is inspired by those characters and inspired by one of the stories from his books. Yeah. And we're going to get into a little bit of those details later. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about just the film itself. The Man in the Iron Mask was released on March 13th, 1998 in the United States. In the United Kingdom, it was March 20th, 1998. That's according to Wikipedia, but I'm pretty sure that's things like that. I'm pretty sure we can count on are true. Yeah. I was just a few months from graduating high school. Oh. So it was a senior. I remember when this came out. I remember it looked really interesting. I never went and saw it, but I really wasn't a big moviegoer then. Right. That uh, developed later. Right. But I, I do remember thinking, oh, that, 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 that might be pretty cool, you know? I did see it in the theater, and it was marvelous. Uh, I wish I could have saw that It one was in the marvelous, and I was in movie. love with it. The screenplay was by Randall Wallace. It was also directed by Randall Wallace. And the reason why I say screenplay by Randall Wallace first is because Randall Wallace is known, first and foremost, for writing Braveheart. Kind of a big deal. Yeah, he wrote Braveheart in 1995. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a big deal. He was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Screenplay. Wow. He won the Writers Guild of America Award for Best Original Screenplay for Braveheart. That's incredible. And, And we know that Braveheart was absolutely... No, it's like, forget it, it's a classic. Yeah, and it was nominated for 10 Academy Awards and won five Best Picture, Best Director, Mel Gibson, Best Cinematography, Best Makeup, Best Sound Effects Editing. So Randall Wallace was a part of the magic of Braveheart. Yeah. So he's now directing this film a few years later, The Man in the Iron Mask. Which now, and and writing-wise, I would like to say, some of the, I mean, especially when you get into kind of the heart of the story when when the plot starts to unfold of yes. what they want to do with the king blah blah, blah. that writing is amazing and Absolutely. like it's in and i'm thinking specifically of uh, the lines from aramis because his speeches are just so they're so good and not just a like movie sense but in a literary sense the way they're written so like i definitely Love his writing style. Yes. Let's just go ahead and come out and say, the reason why you should watch this film, what makes this worth like a couple hours of your time, is to watch Gabriel Byrne, Jeremy Irons, John Malkovich, and Gerard Depardieu play the, the Musketeers. Musketeers. It's, 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 it's so fun. It's so like, you just love seeing their reactions to one another because right. Toby and I will be watching it and I'll be like, they're, j- they're, they really are brothers. Like they it, just behave like family. And I don't know how they captured that on screen so well right. with, I mean, I'm kind of like, are y'all actually best friends? Cause yeah, my, uh, my cousins and I have been watching and loving this film. Yes. I mean, since it came out. And we always quote lines. We quote, I mean, I can't even tell you how many things we quote. Um, I'll definitely share something from our uh, Instagram account, Our fa- one of our favorite speeches, and it's from Athos because he's so intense. Yes. But um, we always said like, okay, this movie is great, but not because it's a great movie. It's because it has a great cast that works well together. Absolutely. And I'll explain more what I mean as we get into it about that statement. But um, 
just the cat the that ensemble that core ensemble is phenomenal okay so let's get into the film because there's lots of great and fun stuff to talk about so let's just go ahead and start at the beginning it's all black and jeremy irons as his character aramis aramis Aramis, who's one of the musketeers says some of this is legend but at least this much is fact when rioting citizens of france destroyed the bastille they discovered within its records this mysterious entry Prisoner number six four three eight nine thousand, the man in the iron mask. It's a great intro. Yes, and we shared it. Um, not not the actual first scene, but we shared that spoken. Yes. you know, it's that's not quite a monologue, but you know that that moment we shared it. Um, because it's just iconic. Right. So that tells us right there that this is about a mystery, and that this is a long time ago, obviously, and the rioting citizens of France destroying the Bastille, that's, that's obviously during the Revolution. The Revolution, right. So this is going to be about a time in France before the Revolution, so the late 17th century. And it's obviously, I mean, it, like you said, it, it foreshadows that it's very tumultuous time. Any time right before war it's either, is going yeah. to have very high, uh, high tension. Right. The opening scene, we see a man on a horse riding through an angry crowd. It's Gabriel Byrne, so we know it's D'Artagnan. Yes. Setting the stage, he's he rides through this group of angry people, like this mob that's throwing food at him. He's dressed in this blue musketeer uniform. It's very ornate. And we get the overtures of the soundtrack yeah. by Nick Glennie Smith. Yeah, they, there's themes that, that... He's really good with the themes in this yeah, soundtrack, I'll say, for sure. The score is really good in this movie. Yeah. So after this opening scene with D'Artagnan riding through the crowd, this really, again, sets the stage that things aren't great in France at this time. No. So then we change settings. We now are moving to this loud, like, guffawing laughter. Yeah. (laughs) Obnoxious. It's Porthos, which is Gerard Depardieu. Yes. And three women. And they bust in on Aramis, Jeremy Irons. Who is praying. Who is praying. In a short two amount very, of time. Two very different visuals yes. going on. So in a very short amount of time, I'd say within the first 60 seconds of the film, yep. we've met D'Artagnan, who is in uniform, riding through an angry crowd. Yeah. We have Aramis and Porthos. So we've met the three of the Musketeers. And again, let's talk a little bit about that scene with Porthos yep. and Aramis. Again, Porthos, played by Gerard Depardieu, he's very... Kind of lives the life of a playboy. He's, yeah, he's boisterous, kind of a libertine. Yes. Actually, e- extremely a libertine. Excuse he owns, me. Yeah, he, owns he has a, a lust for life. Yeah, he owns a brothel. How uh, did I miss that he yeah, owns a brothel? I found that out like right before we essentially that started. That makes rep- so much sense when he. Okay. Yeah. That a, just answered a yeah, hundred questions that I've had for 10 gonna years. That's going to make sense in a later scene, but Porthos owns a brothel. He is, he is living it up. Yeah. All the excesses of life. He has a lust for life, as Brooke said. Yeah, he's very sensual, meaning he just anything that with his senses, right. he is all for it. And Gerard Depardieu is just a really lovable guy. Yeah. Uh, he just brings this. I mean, Porthos is totally obnoxious. Right. But but, but he's, he's also lo- so fun. Yeah, he is. He's really lovable. And that's, again, the acting is so good in this. Yes. Uh, so he busts in and he wants Aramis to come and revel with him and these women. Aramis, played by Jeremy Irons, who needs no introduction. Right. He is praying, so we're seeing a a difference in personalities. Aramis is disciplined. He's praying. Porthos is like, come have fun with me. Porthos will not leave him alone. And they start almost fighting. Well, well and he, he sends the ladies. Yeah, away. Porthos dismisses the women. But he said, but before he does that, he says, oh, okay, not like, basically not this time. And I asked Toby, I said, yeah, that's true. okay, does that mean that at some point, he did go well, off I with think, him and I mean, women. <laughs> at, one port, at one point, Aramis was young, I'm sure. And he wasn't always a priest, was he? No, he was not. No. No, he did that after he was a musketeer. So perhaps he's thinking of better times. So you see that Aramis is annoyed by Porthos, but then they get to like wrestling like a couple of boys, and you realize that these guys love each other. Yeah. And D'Artagnan arrives. He's there to inform Aramis that the king needs to see him, and this is King Louis of France. This is France, so... You know, it's a monarchy. Right. Right. 16, 17th century. He goes, the king needs to see you at once. Aramis immediately shows disdain for the king being brought up. So after D'Artagnan informs Aramis that the king has called upon him, and again, Porthos is just happy to see his old friend. Again, these are men that have, have fought together and have been through a lot of intense situations together through their youth, uh, being young men. Now they're aging. 
And D'Artagnan goes to leave, and Porthos says, one for all, D'Artagnan, and D'Artagnan says, and all for one. So it just was great to see that, you know? And after he leaves, Porthos turns to Aramis and says, we were all musketeers once, weren't we, you know, or something like that. And then he says, I wonder how Athos is doing. And that switches to Athos, which is my personal favorite, played by John Malkovich. He's my personal favorite musketeer of the film. And he is with his beloved son, Raul, who's an adult. And he's getting a ring for his son to propose to his betrothed, right? Right. And we learn immediately that Athos is widowed, right? Yes. He said, your mother died um, giving you to me. I want to, I want to die knowing it's on the finger of the woman my son loves. Right. So in a very quick moment, we find out the history there. Right. So, And again, only like five minutes in the film has passed, maybe five to seven minutes and it is moving quickly as far as changing settings. We're getting introductions to these really important characters. But it's really seamless and it's not um it doesn't it actually doesn't feel rushed. Right. It feels natural. That's because it's again, good writing. say what you want about this movie, Burn, Irons, Depardieu, and Malkovich, the Musketeers. And again, the three Musketeers. Now, we know and have heard all about the three Musketeers, whether you know a lot about them as far as their stories, the novels by Alexander Dumas, or you just know about them kind of you know, in passing. Oh, yeah, I've heard of the Three Musketeers. Yeah, and but, there's film adaptations. There's cartoon. I mean, Mickey right. Mouse has an adaptation. Yeah. I mean, you've seen it somehow. The you, Three Musketeers are Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Yeah. D'Artagnan is a musketeer. He's just as much of a musketeer as Athos, Porthos, and Aramis, but he was young. He Yeah, he was the new kid on the block. He actually is younger than them. I'd say by about probably 10 years, maybe. Yeah. I mean, give or take. But he definitely is like a generation younger than Athos, Porthos, and Aramis, the original three. Yeah. But again, they make this movie. Yeah, without them, it would not have been successful. And that's and and that's saying a lot because I think they were writing on the success of Leonardo DiCaprio for this movie right. to make it, and that's not what makes a movie. Speaking of which, <laughs> after we're introduced to all the main players, you know, Athos, after he gives the ring of his late wife to his son Raul, he says, you know, go, bring back your fiancé, and then we cut to a grandiose setting because we have to meet the final important player of this film. Yes. King Louis XIV, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Great actor. Very American. <laughs> right, that's a the very, problem. <laughs> he's very American. We get that right away when he starts talking. Yes, because well, the, the mistake they make is they they begin the scene with a person with an actual French accent talking. Yes, talking. And then immediately after, he's like, no, do not underestimate the Dutch. Yeah. And I'm like, no, sir. Right. You're super American. And like literally he, uh, Athos can get away with it because it's John Malkovich. Yeah, he has He has much, paid his dues. Yeah, a lot of presence, a lot of intensity that John Malkovich yeah. uh, uh, I cannot say his name, but a lot of intensity <laughs> that John Malkovich brings to this role yeah. and brings to this film what even he, in the even when he's acting calm as yeah. Athos, mm-hmm. there is an intensity. And what he lacks in accent, he makes up for in skill. Right. So it's like not an issue. But Leonardo DiCaprio is just just it's Jack Dawson from Titanic. Yeah, like, that's I mean, it. He's, like, look, he's a great actor, and he's gotten better as he's gotten older. Yeah, he was and, really uh, young. But he's very young. I believe he was 20, definitely in his 20s. I don't want to try to guess his age. But the bottom line is, guys, King Louis Fourteenth is a real jerk. Yes. Totally out of touch with his public. In fact, the first thing we see him doing is he plans this military attack, and it's obvious that he doesn't know what he's doing. It's like... Okay, let's just move troops here, 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 and we outnumber them there, and da 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 da. And this is all while he's trying to figure out what like frills he wants on his jacket. So right. like, obviously that's where his sash. attention is. Yeah, the, yellows. The, the yellow <laughs> sash, and he is approached by his two royal advisors. One of them is some guy, <laughs> and the other is house himself. Is Hugh Laurie? Hugh Laurie, who is lovely, yeah, and hilarious. And they are trying to tell them. Hey, there are riots in Paris because the people are hungry. Yeah, he says. Uh, he said, "What well, aren't they, they? They, my people should feel nothing but pride and contentment." He goes, "I'm sure they are content." He goes, "And proud is it, but they are also starving." Yeah, so. he's got to be like, funny because <laughs> he's Hugh Laurie. No, yes, he, he was, well, no, he was really good. Yeah, the thing about it is the reason why the people are starving in, in this film. Again, we kind of have to leave history behind because, as Jeremy Irons, <laughs> as Aramis says in the very beginning of the film, much of this is legend. But this much is fact. In other words, this is a movie, folks. Right. So we're There's taking... one thing we know. Yeah. <laughs> that this is about a man in the Iron Mask. And also, I'd like just really quickly to point out, and I didn't, I didn't 
at the beginning because I didn't think about it until now. But um, the fact that Jeremy Irons begins this tale having knowledge that so far no other character has right. is foreshadowing. Definitely. Because yes, we're for some it. reason, Jeremy Irons knows who's in that prison. And by Jeremy Irons, I mean Aramis. Aramis, yes. And he seems to have capability of telling the story. So a- as a person who is a viewer, writer, whatever, you should mark that and be like, okay, I need to figure yes. out what his role is in this because it's more than just a musketeer. Right. So, And also, John Malkovich and Roll sound the same. They have the exact same voice. Right. And that actually, people like talked about that after the movie came out. Oh, really? Yeah, they were like, wait a minute. Are they, people thought they were related. People thought it was an actually father and John son. John Malkovich and. Yeah, they thought it was an actual father son oh, performance. Oh, they did, yes. That, and th- they that was sound, great. they have a similar voice. They even look the same. Yeah, it's that great. was well done. And by the way, Raul is played by Peter Sarsgaard. Yes. Wanted to mention that. So because, not father and son. <laughs> again, an excellent cast. Like, we have all the right ingredients for a, a, a great movie. So I want to talk for a second again while we're on history and, and, and that intro about the man in the iron mask. He actually is a true historical figure that existed in France during this time. He was unidentified and he was held for a very long time in several French prisons. Mm. Uh, when he died under the reign of King Louis, he died in 1703. King Louis's reign was from 1643 to 1715. And no one ever saw his face. He did not have an iron mask. It was a mask of black velvet cloth. Hmm. And his true identity remains a mystery. And that's why this is one of those fun historical facts that actually allows authors like Alexander Dumas to kind of take some liberties and create a cool story. Yeah, that is, I mean, like, that really is interesting. Right. To be fair. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. So back to the story, though. Yes. King Louis is a jerk. Right. King Louis gets whatever he wants. He tells people what to do, even if he doesn't know anything about what he's telling these people to do. He's just telling people what to do. Right, and part of that just is that's what happens in a monarchy. He is a total absolute ruler, and we see that right away. Aramis arrives. Remember, he was requested to come before the king. Aramis arrives. He's pinning up his priest-like collar. Yeah, I don't know why Like I didn't notice it ever before, but like when he walked in, we were watching it tonight, Yeah, and uh, he, he seemed to like kind of frantically be fixing the collar. I'm like, were you like not? Because we've seen the movie many, many times, yes. so we know that there's much more to Aramis than just being a simple priest. Right. And I think Brooke basically makes the reference, like, I think him buttoning, buttoning, buttoning the collar as he walks in yeah. shows that he isn't doing this all the time. No, like I think we said, he, he it's like he daylights as a priest. But what he does after that is where he's that's where he spends his energy. At least that's that's kind of what it seems like. Like, cause for if you were a priest and that was like what you felt totally called to do and you were yes. happy doing it, you'd you'd be ready. You'd be at the ready. But he was like, oh, uh, let me. Uh, you know, he just right. seemed disheveled. I think it was. I don't know if it was intentional for Jeremy Irons, but it definitely gives us. It definitely said something. Yeah, that little action that you pointed out. Although we find that Aramis is much more than a priest, his faith in God is real. Yeah. He does have a real, genuine faith in God. Uh, Athos is Toby's favorite, but yes. Aramis is, always has been my favorite. And I and I think that's why I have so much fun dissecting his character, because he's so layered. Yes. And again, these, they actor, are. these actors are just, they, they just really come into these roles and just, just really bring them to life. Now, why is Aramis brought before the king? Well... King Louis wants him to assassinate the leader of a group called the Jesuits. Yes. Who are causing trouble for King Louis. They oppose his wars. Because the reason why the people are hungry is because all the good food is going to the military because Louis is fighting these these wars for his empire. Right. You know. So the Jesuits are an organized group of people that are leading a rebellion against the king. And obviously— And they're Catholic. Yes. And obviously this rebellion is working to the point where the king's worried and wants— Aramis. Now, why does he want Aramis to assassinate the leader of the Jesuits? Well, Aramis was a musketeer and served King Louis's father, King Louis the Thirteenth, mm-hmm. and Aramis was one of the best musketeers. I mean, you know, Athos, Porthos, Aramis, and D'Artagnan—they—they they are legends. Their military prowess, their their combat abilities, yeah, uh, their their sword fighting—all these things are superior to even the standard musketeer who has to be—you have to be really good to be a musketeer. But they're like a whole nother level of military prowess, combat ability. So he asks Aramis, he goes, I know you're a priest, but I want to put one of the best men on this job. And Aramis says, 
basically absolutely you know when yeah, i says, find this man yeah. yeah go ahead yeah when i when i you know when i find this man i will kill both him and the man who told me so moving forward why is the king getting ready what is the purpose of the yellow <laughs> sash uh the king's throwing a big shindig he's got a party okay in fact raul and christine are attending christine is a beautiful young lady you know raul is he's talking about how beautiful she is and and Christ- it is that at this point that I would like to point out that any 90s kid would have already seen Beauty and the Beast by this point. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so when they walk out in their attire, you will also notice that they are dressed exactly like the Beast and Belle during the Beauty and the Beast montage when they're dancing in his yes. castle. Like literally the exact same outfits. Yeah, I didn't notice that ever. I didn't put those two together until Brooke brought that up. I never noticed recently, it until literally this when, week. When we decided to do a show on this movie. Um <laughs> So huh. as Raul and Christine are walking into the the courts yeah. for the party, Christine catches Louis's eye. And I put on my notes, in the famous words of Scooby-Doo, rut-row. <laughs> because that is going to be a problem because King Louis, when he wants it, he's going to find a way to get it. He's the king. And he takes full advantage of his authority yep. as an absolute ruler. So Louis goes out. He kind of starts moving around with his entourage. There's music playing to him walking. Yes, the fanfare There's is here. people throwing rose petals in front of him. He gives Christine a long stare when he walks by her and runs right into D'Artagnan, who has returned to the palace, and we find he is the captain of Louis' guard. Yep. And he's trying to tell Louis, like, look, you got this party going on. There were certain things you didn't tell me about it. And, K- and King Louis is like, ah, you know. Yeah. Just, look, if I want to do this, we're going to do it. Right. You just need to have fun. And Raul's a great guy, uh, the son of Athos. He's in line to be a musketeer. He he has a really neat little conversation with D'Artagnan where he introduces Christine and says, you know, thank you for um, giving me permission to request, you know, yeah. to, to accept his commission as a musketeer. Yeah, because he's eager to follow in his father's footsteps. Oh, and D'Artagnan, yeah. I mean, you got to think this is probably Uncle D'Artagnan. Like, he probably... Right knows him on absolutely a, a, you know a, a more more than just oh he's captain of the guard he's known him and the problem here is raul is in the wrong place at the wrong time and he goes to pop the question of christine which he should have just went ahead and did but he's interrupted <laughs> by the squeal of a pig because king louis got this stupid pig contest a like, pig chase it's a, a pig it was chase. a very common thing i hadn't yeah, I, I remember we were just watching the film before we started recording just to kind of to, to refresh, again refresh. Yeah. And I was like, is this what they did back then? Like the really, really rich land. They did that stuff. Yes. And I was like, yes, they're falling all over each other and they're big, frilly, whatever you want to call the types of clothes and with the canes <laughs> the and petticoats. Stuff. Right. And Raul turns and goes, the pendant will be yours because there's a pendant attached to the pig, a little necklace, a little freaking Cracker Jack necklace (laughs) attached to the pig. And he's like, the pendant will be yours. And I'm like, no, this is more important. You are going to pop the question. I know. I was like, we were both just like Raul. She's so into it. Yes. She is like w- hanging on your words. She is. And you think she wants a little charm bracelet on a pig? Yes. Right, Lord, no. Christine is actually a sweet girl. She truly loves Raul. She has no ulterior motives, no ambitions. And is not easily swayed by anybody else. But Raul's got to do the pig chase, right? He's got <laughs> something to prove, I guess, to get some stupid pendant. <sighs> anyway, he should have just said, whatever, we yeah. forget the pig chase. Anyway, so Raul, Ra- <laughs> so, <laughs> so while Raul is flopping around with the rest of the 20 landowners in France to get this pig, <laughs> Louis makes his move with his... Clever fountains, <laughs> fountain his fancy system. fountain systems that he's turning on to trap. Like, like Christine's trying to leave with the rest of the the group to go on the pig chase too. I she's guess she's just you following, kind of like, hey, I'll, he's I'll cutting watch. her off with these turning these fountains on, and and he's so like, she's he's cornering cornering her into yeah. this like abandoned building or church or like whatever a little church, yeah, little chapel. And the chapel. Of he Doom. does get her alone, and he makes his movie. Starts flirting with her, giving and says her these, all this weird, like riddly crap. He, she, he says, "You would be great as a lady in waiting." You know, he goes right to it. He goes, "Hey, you can come live on the palace and be a lady in waiting. Like, you know, be maybe one we'll my, hook up. Maybe be we one won't. of my girls. Yeah. You know." And she's like, "Well, I could only be, you know, I love Raul, and I could only be tr- uh, faithful to my heart." And he goes, "But how faithful is that heart to you?" I'm like, "Which oh, means nothing, dude. What is that? What is that?" I know they're interrupted by an assassin. A Jesuit assassin. Thank God. Who tries to off Louis, but D'Artagnan, ever faithful, watching the king, totally destroys him easily, just throws his sword like across the Through court, the fountain. Like through, through the, the water. fountain, across the courtyard, nails him, center mass. Yep. He goes down. 
And then before he dies, he says, "Feed your people." So, and then who who lands the death blow? Uh, King Louis. He actually gives him a second stab. Right. He's got a real. Yes, he's cruel. Yes, he's he's careless. Yes, he's frivolous. But he's but he's cruel. And we see we actually see the cruelty, the beginning of it in that moment. And D'Artagnan, who had been watching, he goes over. He pulls his sword out of the dead, you know, assassin, and he gives Louis a look. Like, what were you doing? Like, you were up to something. Yeah, because immediately... Well, he knows Raul. He knows Christine. Well, yeah, because who... Uh, 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 Raul and that... The guy who's just under D'Artagnan. I, I don't know his name. Uh, Lieutenant Andre. Uh, Lieutenant Andre. They they approach, and Raul's like, Christine. Raul's not stupid either. And Christine immediately makes a beeline for Raul. She's like, not yeah, getting out of here. They get out of there. And D'Artagnan's right-hand man is named Lieutenant Andre. Yes. Edward Atterton. So, and he's really good in this movie yeah. as a little supporting character. King Louis says to him, because they're the last two people, and he goes, get me a general. This is going to come up later. Yep. We then have a really nice scene with the Queen Mother. Now, the Queen Mother is Louis's mom. And this is the this Play, is one of the best storylines. Yeah, a neat storyline played by Anne Paralaud. She's praying in the Church of the Rose. She visits D'Artagnan, and we immediately get clued in on the fact that they have something a little more than just... Fealty. Oh, you're, you're my son's guard. Uh, yeah. They have a history. Because this scene is all about what they're not saying. Yeah, she basically, I, you know, thank you for saving my son's life. Then she gives him this really, really sweet but intense kind of look before she walks off. And I think we know. And we I get the next big, we get the next notable theme, musical theme here yeah. as well. Yes, it's a like the love theme. It's very yeah, nice. Yeah, it's very sweet. And it, and it appears, I think it's, it's a love theme, but it's also unique to D'Artagnan. So Andre informs D'Artagnan. That Raul has removed his name from consideration to be a musketeer. Let's understand what's happened here. This thing with the king noticing Christine has happened. Then Louis says to uh, Lieutenant Andre, get me a general. And then Andre suddenly gets the notification that Raul Raul no longer wants to be a musketeer. And D'Artagnan knows. Mm -hmm. In fact, he immediately visits Athos, the legendary hot-headed musketeer who taught him everything he knows. Again, played by John Malkovich. D'Artagnan meets with Athos. Athos immediately opens up with how happy he is with seeing D'Artagnan. It, it, it starts off a very sweet conversation. Athos, again, speaks of his love for his son and his, his pride in his son, that he's grown up to be a, a great young man. And then right and as D'Artagnan— he's about to get—and he's like, oh, he's going he's gonna to propose to this great girl, yeah, yeah. and he's going to be a musketeer. yeah. And- just it's so proud. John Malkovich did just a wonder. He did just a wonderful job. He was such a dad, a loving dad. You know, right as D'Artagnan's about to kind of go into it, Raúl arrives and gets to the problem that we're building up to. Raúl informs and he Athos, looks terrible. His father, yeah, just looks miserable. He's been recalled to his regiment. He has to fight again. Everyone knows this is so the king can pursue Christine. Well, Athos, and he get, well, and he gives the ring back to dad. Yeah, he gives the ring back to Athos, and Athos, who who is. Forget it. Again, Athos, Porthos, Aramis, and D'Artagnan, they are clever guys. Yeah. I mean, they're the best of the best. And Athos is able to put together real quick, like, oh, I know what this is all about. This is all about the king wanting Christine. So Athos has the king pegged. Yeah. And he turns to D'Artagnan and says, what the heck, man? Like, this is terrible. Like, you like, see. Oh, oh, this is why you're here. It's not to catch up. It's to do damage control. Absolute understandable question here by Athos. Yeah. D'Artagnan tries to confront Athos and say, look, I'm going to talk to him. And try to change his mind. And Athos gives a final warning. He says, look, if my son's hurt, going back into battle so the king can pursue this girl. Who will mean nothing to him afterwards. Yeah, no, because no, King Lou's a dirtbag. Yeah. He goes, if he does this, then the king will become my enemy. And anyone standing between me and that enemy is going to also be my enemy. So it's a, it's a warning for D'Artagnan, too. One of the themes, too, is, is it's, you know, it's be careful who you throw your lot in with. Right. Because D'Artagnan is, he, his character is amazing. But right. he backs the king's play every time, yeah. even when he knows it's wrong. That you can't excuse that. Right. No. And it doesn't can't. matter how great a person you are, if you are putting all your chips in with the wrong guy, you're gonna get bad results. D'Artagnan is heading back to the palace before doing so. We see another scene where, you know, the, the people of France are rioting, beating musketeers. Mm-hmm. They throw fruit, rotten fruit, and and vegetables at D'Artagnan. He cuts them with a sword, and and even and, they're like, okay, well, wow. oh like, wow, that's pretty yeah. Cool. <laughs> so yeah, D'Artagnan says, "Look, I know this food is rotten. I'm going to talk to the king. You have my word." Back at the palace is King Louis, who is doing business with a young lady <laughs> who played a black the blacksmith in a Knight's Tale. Uh, I know. I, I'm like, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. When I realized who it was, I was very upset. <laughs> 
uh, the actress is Laura Frazier. And in Night's Tale, she played Kate. The, yes, Kate the, black the blacksmith, the the coolest, yeah. one of the coolest characters in the whole movie. But in the Man in the Iron Mask, she was King's woman number, number whatever. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and he treats her like crap. Yeah, because as soon as all that's finished, he basically like, says, "Oh, um, you, by the way, you're going to leave tomorrow, right. and I like to eat my by myself." Bye. Yeah. So as he's, you know, he kind of discards her. Yeah, he kind of discards her again, showing you what kind of guy he is. D'Artagnan is able to. Meet Louis as he's eating alone after he's, you know, had his time with Kate the blacksmith. D'Artagnan says, basically, look, I kind of see what you're doing here with Christine. Yeah. And, you know, Louis denies any malintent. He's like, no, I, I really like Christine. But he's like, but did you send Raul? He says, did you send Raul to the front so you could pursue her? Louis's defensive. Yeah. And D'Artagnan could have pushed harder. He he was a hundred percent too soft. Now, to be fair, yes, he's the king, right? But but right. just but but by the very nature of him entering through his secret corridor, it shows that there is a relationship between those two that is more friendly than just you're the captain of the guard. Yes, he has some kind of personal relationship with the king. So obviously, I, he could have pushed harder safely. I felt like he could have pushed harder. In the end, he just kind of gives him great advice about like, look, find you a good woman. Yeah. Louis gives an empty promise that Raoul's going to come back. Louis's deluded. Louis says, D'Artagnan, I'm a young king, but I'm king. In other words, I'm going to do what I want, buddy. Right. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So, thanks. Yeah. Now, it's been a lot of fun seeing Hugh Laurie as a part of this uh, <laughs> wonderful cast. Yes. But he is short-lived in this film. The king has uh, his advisor, played by Hugh Laurie, executed for doing what he told him to do, which was give rotting food to the people. Yeah, just do it. And then he orders riders be shot on sight. So, there so we go. that's that's his method of solving a problem. I'm annoyed that I was given this information. I want this information to go away. Right. So kill a few folks, and um, I need someone to blame you. And the other guy, the other advisor who has been walking around with House, he just kind of puts his hand on him, like, sorry, but like puts his hand on his shoulder, like, sorry, buddy. Like, yeah, like, man, this is a we had a good run, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um. As we know was all going to happen with Raul in battle, yeah. he dies. Uh, we immediately go to the battlefield. Raul is... But Raul knew it. We knew where it was going. Christine is devastated, of course. Athos grabs his sword. Well, but, first, he's so his reaction is devastating, and but it I mean, makes yeah, me sad Absolutely. Time. Yeah, I know. It's it, it's so sad. But he goes and gets his sword. The yeah, next, he's like, done. We're, yeah. do, we're doing this. So the Musketeers are having PE class with D'Artagnan, you know. <laughs> I always wonder what exactly they were doing. I don't know. They're all out there like doing jumping jacks and stuff. And <laughs> I mean, you know, stay Athos, in shape. Yeah. Athos <laughs> just shows up and he takes out a couple of the young Musketeers. He's like, I'm going to light y'all up. Only D'Artagnan is able to restrain him. He's obviously trying to get to the king. You know, yeah, sorry. Yes, go ahead. No, let's get every time we every time we watch it, we laugh because you know, like I mean, if you're a filmmaker, you do like um, you, have do, you have to overlay. You sound. have to overlay sound, yeah, because you're not going to catch it all. So when he comes in, Athos is he is walking full speed, yeah. like As if no one's there, like a Karen on the way to talk to a manager. He is just dun dun dun, and uh, D'Artagnan knows again. D'Artagnan absolutely knows what's happening. And he says, starts with Athos, my friend. Barely gets out my friend because Athos punches Gives the crap like a haymaker, out of him. Like a haymaker right hook. But what but that but all in sequence, yeah. what you see in here is Athos, my friend. Uh, and you just <laughs> <laughs> it's all yeah. he's I guess not that hurt. It's, I don't know. Uh, it didn't seem I don't know. I mean he walloped him. I mean it's great. D'Artagnan got socked. But if but again these musketeers are legends. D'Artagnan just has to give the word, no one's gonna take this guy out. No. They're restraining him, he has, but no yeah. one's going to take him but out. But because of D'Artagnan's love for Athos and his, really, internally, his understanding, he yes, knows that he Louis is. has screwed him over in the worst possible way, having his son killed for Christine. So he sends Athos home. Yeah, and what does Athos say to him? He says, you're the traitor. Things are really bad. It's getting worse. And then within minutes of this, Christine is in the palace with the king having dinner. I mean, he at did this not weird waste, freaking dinner, yeah, he didn't waste anything. There's like ten. Yeah, they're not alone. There's like ten servants just standing there. With yeah, because he sent for her, and of course, oh, he it, wasted no time. In the midst of this dinner, he's like, "Oh, don't worry, my private physician is seeing your sick sister and yeah, like, yeah, sick or mother. sick mother, yeah. and like, it's fine. Like, I'm gonna take care of it." He fills her wine glass up. He basically gets her buzzed on wine, seduces her, seduces very much, her, but he's very forceful. Very much a David and Bathsheba, if you're familiar with the Bible. Yeah, you know, except 
King David was a is overall considered a good man. Well, he and he righted the ship eventually. Eventually, but David <laughs> David is considered a good man, one of the greatest men in the Bible. That that was imperfect and and made some big mistakes. Yeah, some huge mistakes. But he sent a man into a battle to have him killed to pursue his wife. I mean, it, it's, it, this it's, is a textbook. It's yeah, thing. Yeah. they're using this as a as a device in in, in this film. Exactly. Right. So, and he's very, you know, he's very forward. He does not, he doesn't ask. He, no, he, King Louis does he, not. after she says, I can't do this, he continues. No. She does eventually, I uh, guess, she concede, what, not yeah. because she's okay with it, because I think she, in her, in and of herself, is like, Knew. okay, look, my love is gone. I, I don't have much to live for right. now, but he's taking care of my mother and my sister, and, and that's buzzed. all I care about. And, I'm and well, mm, but <laughs> I mean, I think that she's kind of like, look, if this is what my life is now, I guess this is what my life is now. So it's really sad. I think so, yeah. Definite definite a lot of emotional manipulation used. So the king has what he wants for now. Mm, she's in yeah. his she's in his bed. And now we get back to the musketeers. Which okay. Is the best. This is the best. Now we have said that there's more to Aramis, it seems, and that is because there is. Yes. We get back to Aramis and Porthos, their bosom buddies, right? Mm-hmm. We find that Aramis has been putting a little plan together. He calls a secret meeting of the original musketeers. Athos and D'Artagnan show up. And in the where? In the tomb. Yes. Uh, they're in a secret tomb. Goth vibes for life. Right. Aramis drops a bombshell right off the bat. He basically says, look, our country's in a crisis. We're fighting these wars. They're making the people hungry. Louis has no intentions of changing his trajectory with this. Right. And now he has asked me to assassinate the leader of the Order of the Jesuits. And he goes, but the problem is I am the guy. So... Aramis is the general of the Order of the Jesuits. Yes. He's the very guy that he's been ordered to assassinate. And Athos and Porthos's faces are fantastic. They're like, yes. Well, Athos is like, well, crap. But Porthos, Por- is, Porthos like, is like, okay, yes. something's happening. Something is happening in my boring life. Yes. You know, that I'm getting old. I miss the action. Something's happening. Yeah, it could be anything. Athos says, well, what do you propose to do about this situation you find yourself in? And Aramis goes, we're going to replace the king. Which seems bold. Athos, immediately, I am with you. (laughs) Porthos, so am I. And of course, D'Artagnan. I can't. That gets Athos and D'Artagnan. No, no, Porthos, it can't be done. Right. It can't. Well, Porthos says it can't be done, but Aramis has a plan. He says, I know that there is a way to replace the king. And again, you know, back to what what else does he have to sleeve? So it's fair to assume that plans he have made in the past probably have worked. Yes. And now let's just step back for just a second. And and, and we now see the differences, how wonderfully unique each musketeer is, their strengths, their weaknesses. Aramis is clever and cunning. He has a devotion to God, but he's also... He has a political uh, savviness. Yeah, to, and he's and he's kind of a he he is the you know not I don't want to say the puppet master but he's a grand like plan designer like right. he's like okay I have everything mapped out. Yes, Athos is very very passionate and intense, and he he has just all of his intensity whether it's his sense of justice or loyalty his his loyalty to to a cause greater than any flesh and blood king yes and he is the most proficient in combat you have porthos he has this lust for life you know he's he's good fun and then you have d'artagnan who's fiercely devoted and would would keep his word almost at his own detriment yeah yeah very sensible and level-headed again though in in this case uh not to his benefit right athos and d'artagnan argue because all the musketeers are on board except D'Artagnan with replacing the king. And, and he keeps saying, I cannot betray my king. And now we see the argument. The argument is, Athos says, when you place your oath to something, if what you place your oath to has become dishonorable, that makes the oath null and void. But D'Artagnan has a good argument, which is an oath is an oath because it can't be removed. Right. So Athos, two- I, feel like, I, think that, I feel like the old guard musketeers are... are Viewing it almost, it's almost like they view it spiritually. Yes. It's it's less of There's a, a physical. Greater good. It's not a national oath. It's like oath. almost like their religion, sort yeah. of. There's a greater benevolence above a flesh and yeah. blood king, and D'Artagnan is part of this. And we find out, of course, more. Yes. There's more to D'Artagnan's devotion than just the king and France, right? Yes. And then the big question when Athos finally gets fired up enough, he says, "Why do you follow him, D'Artagnan? Why? What we fought for was greater than king." 
or rank or reward. Right. So what do you fight for now? So that's the, that's kind of that really is the question we all have of D'Artagnan. What the heck are you doing, man? And, and he says, "I fight for the belief that every man can be better, even, even Louis." Louis. Yeah. And then they're so like, no. they are essentially enemies. D'Artagnan, uh, Athos says to D'Artagnan, the next time we meet, one of us will die. Yeah, the line has been drawn in the sand for sure. I'm not sure how Aramis thought that was going to work out smooth at any rate. But before D'Artagnan leaves, basically Aramis says before D'Artagnan mm-hmm. leaves, like, hey, I know you're keeping a secret, buddy. Yeah. And I think at this point we are kind of like, yeah, what is going on with Right. Him? Like, why, dude? You know he's terrible. We then see a scene that's interesting of an iron mask being forged. Very brief. We're going to find out more about that. And then we go to the Bastille, a prison, where we see Jeremy Irons suddenly in <laughs> total costume as this fat friar. He visits who we now know is the man in the no, Iron No, wait, mask. a fat, but where, but but what is this friar's ethnicity? He's Italian, <laughs> he's yeah. He's Italian. Yes. And he is talking, like, it's Jeremy Irons, you know, and he's... In a lot. Yeah, he's saying all these things to these two... Dumb French guard. I mean, for the Bastille to be what it was, they put the dumbest, most inept guys. Right. <laughs> Easy to fool. Over what I would think would probably be, well, what turns out to be the most sensitive prisoner in the nation of France. Right. Under I... Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah. He, he goes in as a priest to give the last, to, to give, excuse me. He confession goes in, day. Uh, it's confession day for the prisoner. He's able to get that, just put that story right on him. And they're like, oh yeah, okay. So let him in. And then we find out why he's fat. It's because he's got a dead body under his cloak wearing the exact mask of we see as the man in the iron mask. And I think we could pretty much tell it's Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. And it will all make sense Because that, I mean, that blessed American accent is hard to mistake. Yes, it's hard to mistake. It's my confession day. I know. Right? So he lays the dead body out. He looks at the man in the iron mask and he goes, this is you. You know, this is... Yeah, he says, who is this man? He said, it's you. It's you. This is a prison break. And he says, "I'm a, uh, yeah, he's like, I'm a friend. Like, I, I'm, I'm here to help you get out of here. Yeah. He tells Tweedledee and Tweedledum, after he's hidden the man in the iron mask alive, under his, <laughs> under his cloak, excuse me, excuse he tells me. Tweedledee and Tweedledum that, oh, the prisoner just fell over while we were praying, you know, and he's had he's got the plague. So it all works. They believe that the so man they in the burn iron, the body. They burn the body. Which is important, so they can't identify they can't whoever identify. it was. And it, it makes them in a rush to get... Aramis out. Whoever that prisoner was is believed to be dead now. So it's a brilliant plan so far. It's working. They take the man in the iron mask to Aramis's Jesuit hideout, and the mask is removed. After he's cleaned up, <laughs> he's the ready. big reveal. Yeah, he's ready. Yeah. The big reveal is that this guy looks just like Louis. It's it's so Leonardo like, DiCaprio. Oh my gosh, twins. Yeah, the, both what are, in the world. Both roles are played by Leonardo DiCaprio. It's ambitious for a story because they, they busted this guy out of jail. He's likely institutionalized, totally messed up. And they bring yeah. him out and then they drop another bomb on him. So 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 Aramis I know it's really kind of insensitive. <laughs> so we have Athos, Porthos, and Aramis and this man in the iron mask. Athos is helping clean him up and he goes, What's your name? And he goes, Oh The uh, woman I the woman like, who used like, to care for me or whatever. Yeah, called me Philippe. So his name is Philippe. Aramis then drops a bomb on Philippe and the other two musketeers when he tells them the story. He and Louis are actual twin brothers. The king had two sons. Yeah, right? the, the queen gave birth to two sons. and They were separated at birth. Yes. He was sent to live with a woman in the country. That was going to be the plan. When Louis came of age, right, yes, he, had, he feared a threat to his throne. So he had him imprisoned in a mass so no one would ever know that he was, an, you know, potentially an heir if, you know, right. something happened. And the happened. reason why he didn't kill him is simply based on either whether you want to call it superstition or holy sanctity of royal blood. Right. You know, so couldn't he, kill him. He couldn't so. kill him. So he puts a mask on him and locks him up. You know, Philippe would have been able to remain Philippe under his father. However, you know. Louis had become Louis king. Was, now, we, now we see even more depths to Louis's cruelty because he couldn't have done that any more than a child. And to buy this piece, the one person that, that agreed to physically put the mask on Philippe and take him to the Bastille was Aramis. This makes sense as to why Aramis has, has went to this life of prayer and, and repentance, you know? So Aramis's plan, we will replace Louis with Philippe, right? Athos is like, this is ridiculous. Porthos is like, hey, I'm happy to be here, sure. I'm we, right. You know, okay. Right, like, will will there be women? I'm I'm in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so now they ask Philippe, "What about it?" Which Do- this bothered me 
this last time about Aramis because I never thought about it like right. this because I was young. He's, he really is kind of a puppet. I was guy like, here. this He's is like... really manipulative. This is, is really very but... manipulative. I mean, look, I love the guy. I'm never going to stop loving the guy. But like to to be like, hey, you're fresh out of jail. Would you like to commit a huge act of treason? In summary, they have broken Philippe out of prison. Uh, Aramis has revealed Philippe to be Louis's twin brother. And now using uh, a clandestine mission, a secret mission, they're going to switch them. Going to get Louis in prison, get Philippe on the throne, right? And the one question is, is Philippe going to go along with it, right? Right. Uh, here we also see that, you know, Athos obviously being a real father, a real dad, yeah. has taken a care, an immediate care over Philippe. Yeah. Because when Philippe is like, I don't know what to do. And he runs kind of off to the side. Yeah. Athos is like, he can't stop himself from yeah. being a dad. From being a dad and kind of, you know, embracing him and saying, look, it's going to be okay. Let's go back to the palace. Louis and the Queen Mother are made aware, which tells us that mm -hmm. they knew all along yeah. what was happening. You know, D'Artagnan finds the Queen Mother. She's upset. She thinks that her son is dead. She kisses yeah, she's him. Back, she's back praying again, and she asking kisses for it, forgiveness. Right. And she kisses D'Artagnan. Oh, so yeah. we know they had a thing. And then, and then it starts to kind of move back and forth. We, we go back to Athos and Aramis bickering back and forth over Philippe. Athos is like, you can't expect this out of him. Aramis is like, ah, it'll be fine. You know, Athos yeah. is obviously seeing Raul here. Aramis is seeing his ambition. Yeah. You know, Porthos tries to commit suicide in this crazy Which is hilarious. Because we see his butt. I know. He, and it's just funny. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. he's just funny. His lament is that he's bored. He doesn't have the, you know, prowess that he once had. No. So he's like, that's it. I'm going to hang myself as soon as I'm sober. <laughs> so he goes out to the barn. And again, Aramis kind of has a right to be a little bit arrogant because he really is just ahead of the curve on everybody. Yeah, he saws the beam. So when he tries to hang himself. Because he, cause he, he put a rope. Yeah, like to basically say. To bait him. Yeah. To and he and, does and, it. And it works because he goes, okay, now that you've. You've tried it. It didn't work. And he crawls out of the barn butt first, which is also hilarious. Yeah, we see his butt again. Yes, more butts. But right. uh, yeah, he's like, okay, so is this out of your system yet? Yeah, because Because we that, got stuff to do, man. Yeah, we've got stuff to do. And then Porthos is like, okay, cool. Yeah, like so literally, like he really was kind of like a toddler that was like, don't touch the burner. Don't touch the burner. Right. Bam. Ah! And then they're done. Like yeah. he's, he's kind of a big toddler. Yeah. So after a lot of consideration, a conversation with the musketeers, Philippe has his moment of realizing like, you know what? All these years in prison have, have given me a strength and a resiliency. Mm. I know that I'm meant for more. He decides to to become a part of Aramis's plan and then begins the what I call the Rocky training montage. We see <laughs> Aramis, Porthos, Athos all teaching Louis different things. Civilized life, not only civilized life, but life and royalty, you know, dancing, uh, holding glasses, riding horses, uh, sword fighting, all these things that. Someone who grows up in, in a... Yeah, where a, things are in the palace, like how yeah. to maneuver through the secret passages, because like, he's got to be able to pass as if this is his normal life, and that's asking a lot. And then back at the palace, Christine is now actually living in the palace. She's like... His boo. King Louis's like top mistress, I guess. I know, geez. She gets the letter that, as Brooke said earlier, Raul had it sent right before his death. Didn't you mention that? I he, didn't, but it, it okay, did happen. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Before Raul dies, he sends a letter to the royal dispatches, and it gets to her as she's there. He knew what was going on. He knew that the king was after her and that because he gets what he wants, he would get Christine, even through treachery. Mm -hmm. Raul's final words convicts Christine. She Because he says, give yourself no blame. I know what's going to happen. No, but later that night, she reaffirms her love for Raul to Louis and essentially reveals that by staying with Louis, she lies to herself. Louis immediately immediately yeah we'll both burn in hell for this yeah she says and he just says no you're gonna burn in hell i'm the king and i'm cool you know he yeah. treats christine with total contempt and now that he's mad he's like well i need to throw a ball that means the musketeers have got to mobilize they're like okay this is it this is it it's been moved forward it is our perfect opportunity and maybe the only one yeah so aramis now says okay the musketeers long shot plan is to dress up in costumes attend this ball that was supposed to be a little later, but now it's been moved up because the king's upset over Christine. So they go dressed up in costumes to attend the ball, all with these iron masks. And they are they use the masks, and it works. Yeah. Because at the ball, you know, King Louis is dancing and stuff, and he's got this new woman already. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure he's had, like, he's got, like, you know, sadly, they, they, a list. So Athos, Porthos, Aramis, and Philippe is there. They flash the masks. 
In between, like, dance moves. <laughs> in, in between dance moves. Our son loves this song yeah, and the, the soundtrack. The, it's, da, 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 and it's a great, it's a beautiful piece. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's really ornate. Everybody's dancing. And right. it's a masquerade. You need to mention, it's a masquerade. It is a masquerade. So That's everyone has masks. So underneath their little masks, they have the yes. iron mask. So it makes it to where he can't really He can't really see. And they're, they're moving through. They're flashing the mask. It, it He's works. freaking out. You know, Louis freaks out. He leaves the party. You know, D'Artagnan kind of follows him. Louis runs into his bedroom. And when he's alone there, the musketeers, who again, remember, the musketeers know the palace because they serve the king. So right. they are able to go through the secret passages of Athos, Porthos, Aramis, get him. They make the switch. Yeah. Philippe, now as King Louis, returns to the party but blows his cover. When he shows kindness to two people, one was like one of the king's like courtiers or something. Yeah, because she's in the first scene throwing flower petals. The, yeah, the, the the like um, curvy courtier is the right word, but one of the the, the women that just hangs yeah, out. Yeah, she in the court. she's doing some kind of dance and she falls on the stairs and just instinctively he smiles and gets out of his throne and everybody stops like what is he doing? He's and not, even not, she's like, what? why'd you do that? Right course christine busts in she can't hold it anymore now she thinks that philippe is louise so she's like you did a horrible thing you killed raul uh, and he and again his response to her is nurturing and like whatever i've done i'll make amends d'artagnan is watching this and he knows louis would never be that nice he knows it's an imposter he knows right because again, you got athos porthos and as sharp as can be but you got d'artagnan who's just as sharp as these guys are and we have to be reminded that D'Artagnan knows nothing about Louis having a twin brother. He just thinks that Philippe is some dude. Yeah, he's like this. Something's. He just knows something's off. He just thinks the king had that. The king Louis the Thirteenth had one son. It was Louis the Fourteenth. Right. In the end, D'Artagnan and the guards and other musketeers are able to get there to stop Aramis's plan from being successful. Yes. Worse yet, they get Philippe in the process. Yep. D'Artagnan then, from Louis, learns the truth. Philippe is not just some dude, not just some imposter. He's Louis's brother. D'Artagnan changes. He's like, please have mercy on Philippe. Have mercy on, on yeah. this man, your brother, you know? And it just further outlies his cruelty for because uh, Louis like, I thought you were dead. So Louis refuses to have mercy on yeah. Philippe, even though D'Artagnan gets on his knees. He begs him. He says, your majesty, please. This is you your know? brother. Yeah. Right. Louis orders Philippe back to the Bastille, back into the mask. Christine kills herself. Her story is tragic. Very it is unfortunate. very sad. She she is unable to deal with any of it. Um, so yeah, the guilt the the guilt's too much for her. Now we're back to the musketeers. Aramis, Porthos, Athos. The three musketeers are defeated for a time. They get back to their secret meeting place, the tomb. Yes. To a note from D'Artagnan, hmm. who gives the location of Philippe. So obviously, some time has passed that has given D'Artagnan time to deal with the truth that he's learned. And then he goes to the queen mother and says, they were two. So now you're starting to be like, wait, why are y'all? Why are y'all talking about the yeah. kids? We're going to find out, right? So Now the note, they say, look, we know it's a trap, but if Lou, if, if Philippe's in the Bastille, then to the Bastille we go. At this point, security's going to be heightened, even if D'Artagnan's telling the truth, even if D'Artagnan is lying. Yeah. Either way, we've got to go back. We have nothing left. Yeah. The musketeers go for broke. They get into their old black uniform. It's one of the coolest parts of the movie. Yeah, you have uh, yeah, we have to say the whole line. Yeah, Aramis. Yeah, says, he he has them in the tomb and he says, "Guys, you know, he's like, I, I've saved this because I thought they we'd wear them in death. Our and, old uniforms yes. for our, from our days of glory. Yes, so uh, I saved them that they might be worn in death. And then to pause and and so we shall. And, and he, he throws unfurls them, yeah. them and grr, it's just like yes, so, to death we go. So now Athos, Porthos, and Aramis are. In all their glory, the three musketeers yes. wearing their black uniforms, and for, for to them, ready for death. They they know like or they assume we're not getting out of here alive, and that is okay. Yeah. We're ready. Indeed, D'Artagnan was telling the truth. Uh, Louis was mm -hmm. where he said he was. He was being held in a cell, and it wasn't ultimately a trap. No, and D'Artagnan is there as well. He mm -hmm. he shows up, and a few moments before this. Yep. King Louis tells Lieutenant Andre, D'Artagnan's right-hand guy, watch D'Artagnan. So D'Artagnan arrives. You know, it's still not cool between him and Athos. But look, they're all there now. It's D'Artagnan, Athos, Porthos, Aramis. They free Philippe, of course, because Louis was having D'Artagnan watched by Lieutenant Andre, who doesn't know any of this stuff. Lieutenant Andre's a good guy, but is completely... Has he has no, no original information. He's no, he, just he being given commands. Nothing. They're all busted by Louis and his guards. 
and they end up trapped in a corridor. They're able to close the door on one group of guards, but Louis and a group of young musketeers block their exit on the other side, so they kind of have to huddle into a little corner. It's kind of an L-shaped hallway. Yeah, yeah. So they kind of have to, you know... They're backed into a corner. They're hidden around the corner, and they're trapped on both sides. Here, D'Artagnan drops another bombshell. This movie's full of them. (laughs) He is both Louis and Philippe's father. He loved their mother. Yeah. And they obviously had an affair, and he had twins... Uh, excuse me. <laughs> she had twins, but you know he did he too. He fathered. Well, I mean, he yeah, he he helped. <laughs> yes. But yeah, he said something about I can't remember. I can't remember the exact. Well, line. he says uh, he says even if I could betray my king, I could never betray my son. And so Philippe's. <gasps> now we realize why D'Artagnan has been doing what he's doing. So he's met his mother. He assumed his father was dead, and now he he sees that his father is the great D'Artagnan, D'Artagnan. and that his father has been carrying with him a secret. And now it explains D'Artagnan's unquestioned devotion. He was not only loyal to his king, he was trying to be a father he, to his son. And he son. was trying to believe that his son could come back from this cruelty. Yes. And the sad thing was he could not. No. What What's crazy about it is once, you, once you're hit with that knowledge that, you know, um, he's Philippe and Louis' father, is that Philippe, in literally five to seven minutes... Mm-hmm. Shows more devotion and care yes. for D'Artagnan I, than Louis does the entire film. Right, and I don't think we said that enough. I just want to say I'm sorry that that we have not said that earlier. Philippe is kind, he's humble, he has a good heart. Everything that Louis is not. Right. right. So with time running out, Aramis tells D'Artagnan, "You know what? We might have a shot to live since the musketeers that are blocking the corridor are young and mm-hmm. waiting around the corner." If they charge them, they might not have the heart to kill the men whose legends they grew up on. Yeah, right? they said they were weaned on our legends. Like, we're, I mean, they're gods to them. Yeah, he said, look, he goes, they grew up hearing about us. That's mm-hmm. an advantage. So Porthos is like, yeah, let's just Why go don't for we it. charge them? Let's go for <laughs> it. The musketeers join their swords along with Philippe, and Athos gives the famous one for all, all for one, and there they go. They just charge. The musketeers do not fire right away. And the the musketeer theme is playing. The musketeer theme is blaring, and they're yelling. They're the charging. The reason why the musketeers aren't firing is for the very reason that yep. Aramis said, "Let's do it." He goes, "They they just they, there's no way they could they could kill us, right?" The if, only if, yeah. If, if we're if we're these legends, yeah. The only reason that anyone fires is because Louis, Louis grabs gr- a gun, grabs a gun and shoot and and grabs one of the rifles, I think, and pulls the trigger. Yeah. That, that, but before that happens, Lieutenant Andre says, "Magnificent valor." Mm. they're just overwhelmed by what's happening before them. And most of them, when they fire because they're being ordered to fire, yeah. they close their eyes. They're, they're like, please, <laughs> let me right. not hit one. <laughs> the musketeers fire upon them, and after the smoke clears, we find they are all still standing. And again, here's the message, you know, that there is a greater good. Yeah. There is a greater good. Because there these is... musketeers are not fighting for the king, but they are fighting for something, and they keep yes. succeeding. Right. And all these current musketeers are seeing that, and that's right. that explains what happens and next. And in that moment, so we have Athos, Porthos, Aramis, then D'Artagnan, then Philippe, now these young musketeers fighting or standing up for a right, a justice, a goodness that transcends flesh and blood, yep. right? That, that There's something greater. So the musketeers are alive. Andre takes a step forward, gives a musketeer salute. The rest of the musketeers do it. Like all of them. Right. <laughs> And Athos, Porthos, Aramis, and D'Artagnan kind of return. They kind of tip their swords forward. There's kind of this neat little... Uh, like acknowledgement. Su- subtle acknowledgement. Yeah. It's really cool. It gives me chills to talk about. Yeah. Louis is not done, is he? He, he can't... He cannot stand it. No. He cannot stand it. He charges Philippe with a dagger. D'Artagnan comes in, pushes him off. Louis comes back a second time. It, it all happens in seconds, yeah. right? And D'Artagnan moves in front of Philippe and sacrifices himself between both of his sons. Mm, he, man. He dies for his son killed by his other son. It's just so it's devastating. So devastating cuz D'Artagnan it's like oh it's like he was almost there as far as like he could just have a son that he loves yes. on for the rest of his life. But at the same time like carrying that secret for that long it's almost it's right. almost I would it, it's not a relief for us cuz we're sad but like and for him it's almost like okay, I'm done. I'm just uh, at least he was able to die knowing yes. he had one good son. He, he takes the mask. They get the mask off of Philippe, and, and he looks at his father face to face. 
and he tells them that, you know, this is the death I've always wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, he dies saying all for one and one for all. Philippe says something very interesting Mm -hmm. that I never understood until recently. He says, you were the one in the mask. You didn't get that? I did not. (laughs) But but I didn't realize that you had already gotten it. So when did you realize that? Immediately. Yes, of course. Philippe was the man in the iron mask. Right. But D'Artagnan has been masquerading, if you will, all these years, knowing full well Louis was his son, outwardly wearing the pride of France and inwardly wearing the shame of such a horrible son. Right. And he couldn't love his he couldn't love Anne in public. He had to hide it. Couldn't love his son. Had to hide it. Couldn't be proud or upset by his son. He had to behave as if he were just right. the was... captain of the guard. And then on top of that. Didn't even know he had one good son he could have loved on at least. I know. It he, just he, was... all, all, of his, all of who he truly was was not allowed to be visible. It was very sad. Yes. So that's why, that's why I say death was probably a relief for him. Yeah. I just... Because it's not like, okay, my... let's say Louis lives. He still can't love Anne. My mom cries every <laughs> single time she watches this part of the movie. I'm like, Mom, she goes, Toby, just let, just let me do it. Just, just let me have this. Let me have this, All right? <laughs> he, I am thankful that he, the story did allow him to see with his eyes a son that was going to be a good man and a good king. Yeah, and what's cool is that on his grave is the mask. Yes, because he was the one in the mask. But also something... So <laughs> wonderfully explained. Oh, thank but you. So, so Andre immediately puts a sword to Louis after yeah. after D'Artagnan breathes his last, you know. Um, and they're all crying. And well, I will Philippe's say this. Crying. Athos says one thing. Because you remember what Athos said? The next time we meet, one of us will die. Can yeah. you imagine that? Oh, and man. All Athos is able to say is, forgive me. And and D'Artagnan goes, shh. Like, That's, I'm not even thinking about don't, that. Don't worry. Yeah. They, they so loved each other, you know. And, I don't and, think any... As much as they say, oh, yeah, and death will wear it, I kind of still don't think any of them actually thought they'd actually No, die. I don't Or that so. if they died, they'd all die together. No, I don't think Athos wanted I think Athos was so angry because he loved D'Artagnan. Well, Athos, like we said, he, he was a hothead. He was incredibly passionate. He, I don't want to, he, he said things he didn't mean, although he didn't mean them. He, he meant, he meant the right. truth behind them. He just maybe didn't mean yeah. rashly. But, um, yeah, anyway, back to Andre. No, Andre puts a sword to Louis. After D'Artagnan has breathed his last, Lieutenant Andre goes up, and you just see a sword point go up to Louis's neck, and he goes, all my life, all I've ever wanted to be was him. And, Great and, lines and in this film. And you freaking killed him. Andre clears the room, swears everyone to silence. He's probably like, what in God's name has happened? Like, his whole life has been turned upside down. <laughs> right. In, like, five minutes. Right. Louis has no chance now. Like, it's over for him. Once Lieutenant Andre clears the room and swears everyone to silence, this gives time for them to allow Philippe to get into Louis's yeah. royal regalia and Louis to put on the garb of a prisoner so and the finally Iron making the switch. Making the switch again. The final switch. <laughs> yes, the switch is made again. Louis is sent to the Bastille in the mask. The guards finally are allowed back in. Philippe is already... As Louis, the, the guards say, well, who are these men? He goes, these are my royal advisors and trusted friends. And we see Athos, Porthos, and Aramis <laughs> all kneel before the new king, before the new king Louis Fourteenth. It, it, it really is a, you know, it's a, it's cool a sweet scene. And then, of course, we cut right to the graveside. Yeah, D'Artagnan's D'Artagnan. grave. And it's Anne, Queen Anne, you know. Um, king Louis. King Louis. Philippe. And, of course, the Musketeers. And of course, the Musketeers and Ar- Artemis <laughs> and, and Aramis is, you know, reading the. Athos gives a wonderful line. He says he was the best of all of us. Hmm. Philippe has a moment with Athos where he asks him to essentially be his father. So really sweet. sweet. The Musketeers have returned to their former glory after after King Louis and Anne go off. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis go another direction, and they're greeted by this. You know, massive like battalion of musketeers on either side of the path. Like, yeah, and they they say all for one, one for all, and they all salute. Yeah, they all like salute them on they their all horses. Them. And, and, and I think another really cool message of this movie is that it's never too late to be what you're meant to be. Maybe. Time passing doesn't take away what you were called to do. Right, and I think that that's really important as far as the musketeers that how their arc completes. Right. in this film, because historical or not, for the in this movie. These old timers, so to speak, these yes. you know has been musketeers who are still legends. They changed the face of their country 
in this story Absolutely. for this story, you know, and that's pretty cool because it wasn't about the movie's not about these young guns. It's not about like these, no. you know, teenagers it's about these who old lions. Yeah, it's so it's so it's neat to see. No, they're not technically in their prime, but they like do the most amazing thing in the winter of their of the fall yeah. and winters of their life, and that's pretty cool. And the other being this, there is a greater good beyond any man. Yeah. You know, and there is some tragedy in there. You know, Christine role that was tragic, you know. Yeah. And and so I, I thought overall it was just a, a great movie. Why? Okay, so we love it. Yeah. And there's pe- there are p- people who have seen the movie and love it are like diehard fans. And people who haven't seen it are either eh or right. don't like it. So. We mentioned that um, what what Wallace what's his name Randall Wallace was the writer and director. I liked the writing, and I'm there are po- moments in the in the movie where I felt like maybe directorial choices were off, and I wonder if that's where some of the despair with some people who like love the movie or don't like it. Like, uh, what would your take on that be? I will read Rotten Tomatoes' okay. critical consensus. They Perfect. said, Leonardo DiCaprio plays dual roles with diminishing returns in The Man in the Iron Mask, a cheesy rendition of the Musketeer's epilogue that bears all the pageantry of Alexandre Dumas's text, but none of its romantic panache. I, I don't know. You know, I it's hard for me to speak against this movie because oh, I, no, re- I, love it. I, I just love it. No, I just forget like it. it. I just like it. No, I and love it so that. much. You know? We both have posters in our classrooms of this, of like this yeah. movie poster. Like I have a movie so, poster. I just took a picture from it today when we were allowed to go back to our classrooms. I no, love it. Th- there is some some melodrama and such, but I don't. I just can't get past how brilliantly the ensemble was, and you know, and I just thought it was really good and thought it's it had such a great, a great message, movie. So. so if you've not seen it, it is actually on Amazon Prime. Yes, it's on Amazon Prime. So you, so you, if you have Amazon Prime, you can go and watch it. And you, I'm sure you could procure a DVD for very cheap. Yeah, or it's a just great. Even. It's super so, good, and it's you know got all the feels. It's got a lot of fun, and and just watching the Musketeers, these four guys played by actors that really create the sense of history, even though you're only watching them for like an hour and a half, you're like, man, it really does seem like these guys have like been fighting together for like 30 years. You yeah, know? it's very swashbuckly. Yes, it's. I believe I actually said that while we were watching. I said, "Oh, this is so swashbuckly." Yeah. It's a hard word to yeah. say, even though I made it up. It's part of our what Brooke and I call <laughs> yeah. the guild of familiarity. We should probably start introducing that now yeah. that we're going through these movies. I think so. I think that's important. It, essentially, the guild of familiarity are movies that we can watch at any time, all the time, as many times as we want. Yes, and, and they're and uh, ironically, most of them are from the nineties. Yeah, it's cool. So it was meant to be. Yes. So, yeah. Well, welcome to our first edition of yes. the Guild of Familiarity. Absolutely. <laughs> You're at the end of the episode. Yeah. Well, we've gone quite an extended time. I knew we would because we just the, love yeah, talking about this movie. Yeah, this is just a good one. Yeah. But if you've been hanging with us, we always like to thank you for your time. Your time is valuable. And we hope, as always, that our conversations and discussions spark your own, get yes. you thinking about those things, or, or at the very least, take you back to a time when... Things are maybe even a little bit simpler. We need to get some 90s relics for the next episode. I just, you know... We are uh, 90s relics. We are 90s relics. <laughs> How about that? We are. Yep. All righty. So let's close up shop for the week. We have enjoyed it, guys. We've had a lot of fun. Go see Man in the Iron Mask if you have not. Got plenty of time, I'm sure, during this time. And as always, during this time, with the whole coronavirus situation stay safe uh, be good to each other out there and know that you're not alone we're getting through it together this is toby and this is brooke take care guys see you next week bye